Welcome back. Uh, we're talking about Social Security for widows. Um, just to summarize very quickly, um, you are not allowed to keep both benefits. You're only able to keep the higher of the two benefits as a widow benefit. Um, that generally is the mistake that most uh, couples make, is the assumption that both of those benefits are going to continue. Um, most people realize that they could file for the widow benefit, but they also think that their own benefit is going to continue, and that's not going to happen. It's going to be the higher of the two, but not both. So if the higher of the two is the deceased, you can refile for that as a widow benefit and have that continue, but you're going to lose your own benefit. But that is what the widow benefit rule is. Uh, the other area that I see the mistakes in are not recognizing that, that remarriage has an implication on the widow benefit, positive or negative. Uh, a lot of people assume that when they're remarried, they don't have the option of filing for the widow benefit, which is not true. If you get remarried after age 60, you do have that option still. Or you have the option of filing under the new husband or wife. You have to choose which one is the best way for you. And if you need more information on that, I encourage you to go to our website. I actually covered this uh, aspect in great detail uh, under the Social Security series. Um, and you can go to ssmistakes.com and listen to those broadcasts. Uh, the other area that I see a lot of mistakes in with respect to widow benefits uh, is not understanding the changes associated um, with the 2015 uh, Social Security changes. Uh, so I just want to talk very briefly about that. Uh, in, Social, uh, in 2015, um, Social Security changed greatly. And the concept that was put in is something called deemed filing. And what deemed filing means in the Social Security world is that you are deemed to be filing for all Social Security benefits that you're eligible for when you file. So you don't really have the option of picking and choosing different benefits. When you file, you're eligible for everything you're eligible for, whether you want it or not, or whether you receive it or not. Now, for anyone that heard the series on Social Security will know that we talked about this at length, and we talked about exceptions to that, exceptions to where we could receive a benefit a certain way and then come back and file for another benefit. Well, I just want to mention the exception to that associated with the widow benefits. Um, widow benefits are eligible for you to receive as early as age 60. And if you receive those, you actually can come back and file for your own benefit at age 70 and still have that option. Now, in general, under the new rules, under the 2015 rules, you would not have the ability to do that. Uh, once you file, that's it. But they have some exceptions associated, and they're good exceptions. Uh, anybody who's going through this type of situation deserves a little bit of a break, and this is a great break. So you actually could file for a widow benefit as early as age 60 without jeopardizing your own benefit and jeopardizing the 8% increases that the Social Security Administration make uh, to your benefit between uh, full retirement age and age 70, which is very, very significant. Um, the second type of widow benefit that I want to cover uh, is the divorce widow benefit. And divorce widow benefit is very similar to uh, a regular widow benefit, the obvious difference is that it's for divorce couples. 
So the requirement here is that you were married for 10 years or more. Uh, it also has a requirement that you're not remarried before age 60. But the amounts for the widow benefit are, are much, much greater than the regular divorce benefit. And so you do have the option of receiving that benefit uh, both ways. You could receive it as a divorce benefit or you could receive it as a divorced widow benefit. If you were married for 10 years or more, you're not remarried, uh, you will have the option of receiving it as a widow benefit or as a divorce benefit. I do see a lot of people who receive a divorce benefit for a number of years. The person passes away. They don't realize that they could refile and double their benefit because a widow benefit is twice as much as a regular benefit. So a divorce benefit is just 50% of whatever the ex's full retirement benefit is. A widow benefit is 100%. Uh, there's also some deemed filing rules associated with divorce widow benefits that I just want to mention as well. Uh, very similar to uh, filing for the widow benefit, you still have the option of filing for the divorced widow benefit uh, and still coming back and receiving your own benefit at age 70. The rules are a little bit different. You do have to wait till your full retirement age to do that. But you do have the option of, of filing for a divorce widow benefit while still coming back for your own benefit at age 70. The difference is that you could file for a regular widow benefit as early as age 60. You don't have to wait until your full retirement age to file for that. So that is a great benefit for folks. It's another situation that a lot of people are planning on waiting till age 70 to file for the Social Security benefit and they don't realize that they could receive the divorce widow benefit uh, at their full retirement age while still working, uh, while still planning on coming back at age 70 and filing for that benefit. Um, some of the other areas that I just want to wrap up on um, for this session and, and this time today is I want to talk a little bit about taxes, and in particular taxes on assets um, that are left in the state and passed along. Um, this is a pretty complex topic. I just want to hit on a few things. Um, one of those things is what we call stretch IRA. And a stretch IRA is not a new concept. It's simply a, a wealth transfer method that allows you the potential of stretching your IRA over future generations. And what happens is if you, if you name your beneficiary to an individual, that individual has the option of continuing that IRA without having to pay taxes. Because if you haven't named the individual, they're going to have to pay taxes on that IRA when it's passed along to them. So it allows you to name an individual, and that person become a, can become a successor owner of that IRA and stretch that IRA over future generations and avoid taxes. It's a really great thing. It's a great benefit. Uh, the real benefit is that it allows beneficiaries to defer paying taxes. Uh, it allows account balances to continue to enjoy uh, the tax-free uh, tax growth, tax-deferred growth, as long as possible. Um, it is a great thing for everybody to do. It just has to be set up initially um, before someone passed away in the correct way. And it has to be set up by naming an individual as the beneficiary. Uh, one of the other areas that I want to mention is some of the taxes associated with 
variable annuities. Um, a lot of people don't realize that variable annuities cannot be stretched. In contrast to stretch IRAs, we have the option of leaving someone an IRA and continuing that without having to pay taxes. So we can take advantage of that growth. We cannot do that with an IRA. I mean, excuse me, with a variable annuity. What most people don't realize is that when you leave a variable annuity, you will pay income taxes on all of the gain associated with that annuity. So if that annuity was purchased, for example, for $50,000 and it's worth $100,000 when the person passes away, you will pay tax on the difference. So you will pay tax on $50,000, which is the gain. And that is ordinary income. And this is a big um, tax burden for a lot of people uh, in, the, in this type of situation because they are not expecting to get a 1099 for $50,000. Uh, there's no real way to get around this. Um, this is a concept we call income with respect to a decedent. Uh, there's really not any, the, the planning for, for minimizing this has to be done before the person passes away. There are some things that you can do there that are a little bit beyond the scope of this, um, this, this session today, the show today. Uh, but I just want to mention it because I don't want people to be surprised by that. Uh, another thing that people don't realize associated with the taxes on assets are the step up, what we call step up in basis. And what a step up in basis is, is that when you leave assets such as a stock or a mutual fund, um, the basis, which is the fair market value on the day in which the person passes away, becomes your tax basis. Most of you are probably familiar with how we pay capital gains on assets. So if you buy a stock for $10 and you sell it for $100, the difference between those two, $90, you're going to pay capital gains. Well, the step of the basis, uh, when a person passes away and leaves that stock to you, your basis is what the fair market value is of the stock when they leave it to you. So in this situation, if they leave you a stock that's worth $100, your basis is $100. So you're only going to pay tax on whatever gain is above $100. And this is a huge tax break for people in this type of situation because when you leave stocks in this way, you're going to avoid the taxes associated with the buildup over the years of that asset. And I see people all the time who have purchased stocks many, many, many years ago. They have a large tax consequence if they sell them that's totally avoided if they leave that um, to their spouse or to their children as a step up. But that pretty much wraps up the... Um, the discussion of what to do financially after a spouse. You know, again, if you'd like additional information here, uh, please call the office. We'll be happy to provide you a DVD. Um, I actually have some written reports that are a little bit more detailed, uh, even more, more information than what we've covered in the last two weeks. Um, so feel free to call the office. Just tell anybody what your address is, and we'll mail that to you uh, without any kind of obligation, and we're not going to call you or anything like that. Uh, I do want to wrap up today by just setting up the topic uh, for the next few weeks. Um, this is a pretty important topic to me. I'd like to do a series on a book, and it's a book called Finding Peace in Life Storms. And Finding Peace in Life Storms is a book that my wife and I wrote uh, in 2012 and 2013 in response to a series of trials that we had in our life.
and we have a study associated with that that we teach uh, at some churches and small groups and I'd like to do a series about that so if you need some encouragement uh, please come back for that and I think you'll find that um, the topic and the discussion would be very encouraging to you and I'll uh, look forward to talking to you next week you next week